RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist. And you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority, and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org slash telemed. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. everybody, Matt Lachlan, along with Amanda Stein. So glad you could join us for another edition of Speak of the Devils, our podcast brought to you by our good friends at RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. And finally, finally, <laughs> we're almost to the point where everyone's off the COVID list as, as we record this, but it's good to see hockey back for the New Jersey Devils. And a winning start in their return at that, Amanda. It's really great. I mean, I, you know, you talked to the guys right before we started playing again. And I, I think there was some genuine concern. How are their bodies going to react? What's, what's it going to be like after 18 plus days of not only being away from the game and not skating, but, you know, some of the guys said they had symptoms that kept them, you know, down and out for a little bit. So it was great to see that the energy is there. The momentum is there. Mackenzie Blackwood is playing just as well as he was playing when things uh, ended for him in terms of a pause. And here we go. And now we're getting all different little pieces back that we didn't have before. Absolutely. And this is a team that now is, if you will, oversupplied and that's a good thing for a coach to have when supply exceeds demand he has options there's pressure on those in the lineup to stay there there's pressure on those who are out of the lineup to get back in there and anyone will tell you that is a good position to be in and that's where the devils find themselves now as some of the younger players who came up earlier now they have a chance they've shown a few things but some of these veterans are saying not that quick i still have a position and we have players like our guest today rejoining the devils adding to the defensive depth well i think what's really important in what you were mentioning matt is that it's not just at one position right it could be uh you know it, whether it's at defense forward winger center um every single position it seems has that depth where Lindy Ruff is literally going to be forced to make certain decisions that are going to leave some guys who could who could potentially be in the lineup on the outside. And when you have that at every position, especially in a season like this one where you're playing so frequently, um, this is about opportunity. And this is an opportunity not only for players to push each other, but for Lindy Ruff to actually have a rotation when need be to make sure that the appropriate players who maybe if they're looking sluggish, they're able to plug in other players who, who can compete just as well. When his tenure is over, I'm not sure how Tom Fitzgerald reign as general manager of the devils will be looked at. And I don't know what other deals he will make while he runs this team. 
But I do know the deal he made with Carolina last year at the trade deadline. And this that is, okay. is, is leading to our guest will be one that will be talked about for a long time. And that's regardless of how it works out. And so far, there's been a pretty good dividend paid. Sammy Votten gets traded for Carolina for Freddie Clayson, who has since moved on. Yanni Kuokinen, who certainly has made a contribution yep. and a draft pick that the Devils turned into uh, Nico Dawes. Nico Dawes. <laughs> Uh, a goaltender, a prospect for the future, and then Sammy comes <laughs> back as a free agent. I know. And that so rarely happens that the free agent gets traded, um, the assets come in, and then that free agent comes back to that original team. Um and really, how many games did he play for Carolina? Like, right? A couple games before the season was paused, and ultimately the regular season was canceled. And then a couple of games there in um, in the bubble. So, man, you know, Sammy's done good for himself. <laughs> he's done well for himself, and he's certainly helped the Devils, and he will continue to do so as we welcome the uh, Finnish defenseman to this edition of Speak of the Devils. Sammy, good to see you once again. We just finished talking, Amanda and I, about the circumstances around the end of last season for you. You get traded, you play briefly for Carolina, the Devils get some assets, and then you come back as a free agent. Did you think that was in your future when you were informed of the trade to Carolina? Well, you never know. You know, it's it's we know it's there's some business decision in this league, you know, you get traded and all that kind of stuff, but you know, you should never close your doors to anywhere, you know. You just listen what you can get from wherever. And I was luckily Fitzy talked with Fitzy a little bit in the in the end of it and got a good offer from here. And I was very happy to be back with the boys. And you know, it's been it's been fun to come back. What what attracted you to come back? What did what did you like about what you had here and why you wanted to come back? Yeah, I really enjoyed my time here. You know, we had a good group of guys here and you know, I saw they played really good hockey beginning of this season. And I think in the end of the last year, we played really good hockey here too. So I was very excited when I got a got a goal that I have a chance to come back. So I was all open and came back and it was nice. Did it feel like it took forever in between signing the contract, waiting for your visa, and then finally coming here? things you have to quarantine and then the whole team shuts down. What was all that like? <laughs> yeah, of course, it was something different, you know. Uh, it took a little time to get the last papers from here and then I got it sent down there and it usually takes like a week. So it took exactly a week for me to get the papers and then uh, I got to get the flights and fly in and have a little quarantine. And then I was able to start a skate again a little bit and then all of a sudden the team was shut down and then I had to go back on the quarantine list. So it was, it was something else, you know, you never know what's going to happen this time, this time around here, especially what's going on right now in the world. So I'm happy that I was able to play yesterday again and get the things going. What was it like back home over the last couple of months when, you know, everything was, things are going on? Uh, I went back to Canada, uh, Matt stayed here in the U.S., so we have all had different experiences. What was it like for you back home? Uh, I think the situation is pretty good there, like overall and back home. We didn't have that many cases, but 
we have the restrictions going on, like all the everything almost shut down like 10 p.m. and like that. So you have to wear a mask when you go in the grocery stores and like that. But it's the situation is pretty good. Like almost everything is open and people are able to do something. And, you know, it was it was fine. During the course of all of this, you and your wife are dealing with her pregnancy. And just recently, she gave birth to your first child. So there'll be a story to be told, of course. But how difficult was it to decide to come back to North America, knowing that you were not going to be able to get back uh, to Finland to see what the, the birth of your child? Yeah, of course, it's it's very difficult to decision. You know, you were thinking about it a lot that are you going to wait until you sign and stay there and sign after that? But, you know, I really wanted to play again. And, you know, it's been a it's been a long time since the last game and it's tough decision. And of course, I would like to see my my daughter right now and my wife. So but, you know, I hope hopefully they can come here pretty soon and everything's OK. So. We'll see after that. How is Essie doing with it all? Yeah, uh, she's good. You know, everything is good. They got home like I think three days ago. So they've been just hanging out home and, you know, doing the baby things. <laughs> Were you able to participate long distance? Was there a, a FaceTime set up in the delivery room? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I Her mother kept me in the loop, like what's going on and like that. So. I got a pictures right away when everything was fine. And, you know, it was very exciting for both of us. And, you know, of course, I hope I would be there, but it happens. And, you know, I'm ready to see them when they come. But but you were not watching as your daughter was being born, were you? No. No. All right. Well, listen. Yeah, it's what what you have to do. I was fortunate enough to be in the delivery room when my wife had our three children. And I would think is. You know, why not? I can understand why your wife might say, get the camera out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I could say like that so much. <laughs> yeah. But I can understand where if she was into it. Yay. Why not? You, you just watch long distance. Yeah. Well, hopefully next time, if there is a next time, you'll be you'll be with her holding her hand and, and coaching her through it. Yeah, let's hope so. Sammy, what was it like to get in that first game? Well, it was fine. You know, I actually, I got a couple of skates with the team before. And of course, it's a little bit different situation. You know, there's no training camp or anything, but at least the bubble got me into it a little bit. You know, we didn't have, we had like a one week of skates with the boys there in Carolina. And uh, then we were already playing. So I don't think it's, it's that difference. You know, you skate hard. I skated a lot back home. And of course I had a couple weeks break here when I got here because I had to be in the quarantine list for a couple weeks, but you know, I, I, I felt actually pretty good. So I'm hopefully next game even a little better and be ready to go. So how did you keep yourself busy during quarantine? Right. So we've talked to like a bunch of guys about this earlier on in the year, whether it was like watching Netflix or being tired of watching Netflix puzzles, whatever it was, what did you do to sort of, keep yourself from going crazy <laughs> oh when the season got shut down we actually came back to new jersey with my wife and we stayed here i had a i played some golf in my simulator and you know we watched a lot of tv shows and like that and went outdoor just to walk and do that things but 
in back home, you know, I was skating and uh, playing tennis and doing all those things. So it, it was easy to get my time going. And I know you're a huge golfer. You love to golf. So I guess like A, having that simulator is great in your own house. And B, I would imagine, I mean, I'm not a golfer, but um, it is a sport that you might be able to play a little more in like a safe way in terms of like dealing with like COVID restrictions and stuff. So did you get in any golf? Yeah, in, in the summer I played some, but of course the weather doesn't allow it to play in Finland That's very true. long. So <laughs> it got shut down pretty early. So I haven't played in a long time and hopefully the courses will open soon and we have a chance to play in some point. But, you know, you can take your distance there and it, it's outdoors, so you don't have to be close to anybody. So it's pretty safe, safe game for everybody to play in the, during the this time of the year. If someone is traveling to Finland when we're allowed to travel freely once again and and we're experiencing a, a better world because of the distribution of the vaccine, what are some of the big courses that someone should check out in Finland? Uh, my home core, golf course, <laughs> it's called Pirkkala Golf. That's pretty good. It's okay. Opera. It's like over 20 minutes from Helsinki. And then there's like in Helsinki, they have a lot of good golf courses there. And then I think it's like 40 minutes away from Helsinki. It's like Linna Golf, where they they have have had some bigger tournaments there. So that's one of the places where you should go. Does the ball travel a little farther? Or the conditions pretty much the same as here. Sorry, the ball does it travel farther? Uh, what what's the difference between a Finnish course and the atmosphere? and what you experience in New Jersey, or is it pretty much the same? Uh, usually the golf courses are a little bit softer there. You know, we don't have that big of the time what we can play there. You know, the winter is coming and it's getting colder much easier. So I think usually you can fly the ball much further in the U.S. and it gets much bigger all here than in back home. But, you know, I think that's the biggest difference. Who's who's your biggest competition on this Devils roster when it comes to golf? Uh, that's a tough, tough question. Miles Wood is a really good player, so yeah, I never win him. I actually, I don't think I ever played against him, so I hope I get a chance someday. I, I, are you confident you you could probably beat him? I'm sure he's too easily <laughs> distracted. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. He doesn't have to. Keep the mental hole, so yeah, I, I think I have a good chance. Uh, he tells us though he can hit the ball pretty far. Yeah, he can hammer it. But as you know, and and Amanda, you've learned because we do talk about golf on this podcast a lot. As they say, drive for show, putt for dough. If you don't have the short game and you're not good on the green, doesn't matter how far you drive it. It just leaves you frustrated. So exactly, that's why I hit it short. <laughs> so you are an older player you're not old you're an older player at 29 on a very young team is this the youngest team you've played on oh uh, maybe i think so we had a pretty old team in anaheim when i played there and carolina is pretty young too i think so mm, that's true so but you know we have a really tight group here you know everybody Loves to come to the rink and have a little fun. And in the game time, everybody's going, you know, it's especially this year. I think 
we've been playing really good hockey, what I've been watching and what I got into yesterday. So it was very nice to play here. And, you know, we've been getting some wins. So we just got to keep doing that all, all the rest of the year. What what does being tight with a young group mean? And what kind of leadership will you have to provide? Yeah, I think, you know, everybody's just having fun here when you come to the rink, you know, everybody's working together and, you know, trying to help each other to get better. And of course, we had a good composition here for the lineup spots. You know, we have a deep roster here and, you know, everybody's ready to go when they need to go. And especially in this year, you know, you need the depth in their lineup because you never know somebody's going to be out that day and somebody's going to be out that day. So that's going to help us a lot for the getting towards the end of the year. What have been your first impressions of Lindy Ruff, you know, being in person with him now? Obviously, what he's done with this team so far is remarkable, just how everyone's pulling together. But what are your impressions of him? And obviously, you've worked with Naz a lot, who's in charge of the defenseman. But when it comes to the head coach? Yeah, I think it's been really good. You know, everybody loves to do the do their job for him. And, you know, he talks a lot at the locker room and, you know, he chats about the boys, like how is it going? And, you know, that helps a lot for, especially for the young guys to come in the league so they don't be that nervous when they come in the rink and play the game. Are you watching anything particular as we just kind of change directions 180 degrees here? Are you watching anything in particular on the streaming side that you like? Uh, now, since I arrived here, I started to watch Two and a Half Man. That's what I've been watching. <laughs> A lot lately. It's a real throwback, Sammy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been, I've seen a lot of those episodes, but I just downloaded it all, like all the seasons. So I think I watched around 100 episodes now since I got here. I wow. think so. So since you've got here, you've only been here like three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of. Because you've had a lot of time in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. And the episodes are not that long. They're like 20 minutes or something. So. It's been nice. Are you more a guy who likes to watch comedies, TV shows? Are you uh, a serial killer type of guy? Yeah, that, I like, you to like watch those the programs. Crime things. crime things are good. You know, I've been watching the there's the FBI and then uh, Criminal Minds are good, and then we watched Blacklist. Oh, very good. Yeah, they just came with that new season is going on right now, so we're watching that. And uh, what else I've been watching? Seal Team is really good too. That's the what I've been watching. It's about the army or the seals. Oh, so cool! It's it's really nice. There's so much, right, Amanda? That that you can watch these days. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, too much. It's too much. Well, in, in a way, it's like, what do you choose? What do you choose? What are you watching these days, Amanda? Um, what am I watching? Uh. Well, I've been watching a lot of reruns of Veep. I love watching Veep, and I'm re-watching The Sopranos for, like, the 700th time. <laughs> Sammy, have you seen Sopranos? Uh, I, I can't do watching again something. Like, if I watch it once, really? I'm done. Then I'm, I I need a new show or something. And oh, I I, the Game of Thrones last summer. We went all the series also. We did that, too. But have you watched The Sopranos? No, I never watched that. No. See, I think you should. Maybe that's the next one. I think that should be the yeah. next. It's like a real turn from Two and a Half Men. <laughs> 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 but, 
just, just a little bit, yeah, but it will tell you a lot about Jersey too. I know you'll, you know, a lot about Jersey having been here, but that'll teach you about other places that you may or may not be familiar with. I know we got a light out here. No oh. light anymore. As long as you don't mind talking to us in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all good. <laughs> I think it's like a motion thing. Like, so if you like stand up, it might turn back on or not. Or not. Yeah. All right. Listen, don't anyway, get so- hurt. Don't get hurt. Whatever you do. <laughs> yeah. We'll just we'll just continue to talk about it. Well, as I said, uh, if you watch The Sopranos, you'll learn a lot more about New Jersey, a, a place that you you now call home. What do you think this schedule is going to be like? So many games in such a short period of time. What will be the key to get through it? Well, you know, you got to have energy. You know, you you know. Some days are going to be tough for the team, but you got to be able to win those games still. You know, it's, you got to, even if you're not playing that great and you don't have your legs going, you just got to still battle and find a way to win the games. You know, it's short in season, so you can really let up in any point, even if you have, we have a lot of games, but you know, that's what we're here for. You know, we love to play hockey and, you know, I think everybody's happy to just be able to play every other day and, of course, that means, you know, we got to get some rest and you don't have that many practices. So I think most of the guys will like that. And let's be honest, not practicing as much as you, there is a reason why you do, but players would much prefer to play. So there should be that energy, even though you have to conserve some of it because of the amount of games that you'll play. If you had a choice, should we play or should we practice? You're always going to say, let's play, right? Of course, that's the, that's why we're here. So. That's the main thing, you know. I think almost everybody likes that more, more games than uh, more practices. Sammy, what are your first impressions of Ty Smith? Oh, he's been really good. You know, I watched the uh, when the season started. I watched those games back home, and I was very impressed, impressed with his game. And you know, he's been he came right to the lineup, and you know, he earned his spot right away. And it's it's fun to watch when the younger guy comes and how ready he is to play the hockey right now. And, you know, even I can learn something from him, you know, his movement on the blue line, it's it's unreal. And he gets the shots through the net and he's pretty good with the defensive zone too. So it's, it's really nice to see. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, just watching him play, it's hard to remember that he's only 20 years old. It's yeah, I know. It's, it's amazing these kids these days when they come to the league, how ready they are to play. And some guys come and, 18 and like that I would I would have never been ready when I was 18 to come in this league and play hockey how old were you when you made when you were a rookie I think I was 21 or 22 when I got in here so yeah so that I I you know that's that's a big difference even from like 20 to 21 or 22 oh yeah yeah you can't even drink when you're 20 (laughs) in the U.S. right so that's it that is true what's the drinking age back home in Finland it's 18 there. Yeah. Okay. Same, yeah. same back home where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, all. But, that was the only question I had. No, no, it's a, it's a good question. <laughs> it is a little different in the States. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, I love America. I love being a U.S. citizen, but sometimes there are a few things that we do and you kind of go, hmm, I don't know. The rest of the world seems to have When you're 16 too. Say that again. You can get a driving license when you're 16 in the U.S., but you can't drink, right? Uh, that 
you can get your license, but you cannot drink. That is correct. You can get married, but you cannot drink. You can uh, volunteer mm-hmm. for armed service, but you cannot drink. Yeah. And vote too, right? Like you correct. can you can make the decision, the important decision on who to vote for, but having a glass of wine, no, you cannot do. That is correct. It is a bit of a head scratcher. That is for sure. And, and I think also, you know, as we as we digress a little bit, just having watched my children grow up, what's different from when I was a, a child. And that's really, in many ways, what I was <laughs> when I came of legal drinking age in, in New Jersey, which was 18 at the time, is that the whole sense of drinking and driving has changed. I mean, there's designated drivers, there's Uber. Uh, you know, you didn't have Uber back when I was growing up. And so the world's become safer. So I think you probably could edge back toward 18. I think the lesson has gotten through, uh, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go I uh, in terms. And, and we talk about it among my friends all the time. But the reality is it was a different world. Uh, and now it's changed. And you know what? Let's let's start it. Let's let, let let's crank up a return to to eighteen and, and see if we can get that going. Or, yeah, in Finland, people are pretty good with that. You know, when they go somewhere and have glass of wine or everything, usually people don't drive anymore. Yeah, you know, it it really has good. been yeah. uh, limited. And and thank God, uh, thank God. So, Sammy, what uh, what do you think this Devils team can do this year? You know, I think we have a really good group of guys. You know, of course, it's a long season, and uh, you know we gotta keep playing like we're doing. And then we have a we're fighting for a spot for the playoffs. And you know, when you get to the playoffs, you never know what's gonna happen. You know, it's it's a seven game series, and you know when you get the momentum in there, you can go as far as you know. Uh, you never know. Well, let's hope that the Devils get there, and we'll see where that road leads us once that occurs. Sammy, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Be careful in the dark. Congrats on the new house, honey. What's this? Carbon monoxide detectors? Yeah, but one on every level. Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide. And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys, I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSENG, we're committed to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at PSEG.com slash gas safety. So it's always fun to spend time with Sammy. He's got a way about him. He just kind of laughs a lot and he's a fun guy to be around. And the players certainly love to be with him, Amanda. There's no question about that. And if our listeners didn't recognize why, I think after that interview, they got a better idea. He's so funny because he can be really dry. In fact, he's mostly dry when you talk to him and his sense of humor. And he really gets the locker room cracking up. And he's just he's just such a wonderful presence to be around. He is. I mean, he's the best. He he kept going when the lights went out. No problem. Right. So what? So for people who didn't see, obviously, at one point, Sammy was in a room where recording the podcast where um, it's motion censored for the lights. And I guess he was sitting there too long, too still that the lights went out and they wouldn't go back on. So he did it in the dark. Sammy being Sammy, it's one of the things we love about him. Well, now it's time to welcome in another person that we have a great deal of respect and love for, Catherine Bogart. Catherine, thanks for joining us today. We've got a a very exciting guest that you recently spent some time with. Tell us a little bit about the connection with the Devils and your guest. 
Hello, friends. It's good to be here. So this week on the Community Podcast, since it is Women's Equality Month and we're focusing on helping with the gender gaps throughout the sport and throughout the world, um, we're bringing in Cassandra Vilgrain. She is the daughter of Claude Vilgrain, a former devil, a great devil. We featured him last month, so go back and look at our features on NewJerseyDevils.com if you're not as familiar with his story. But Cassandra is an amazing, amazing player. She played professionally. She played college hockey. And now after her pro career, she's trying to help grow the game because she knows the importance of representation, especially as a black woman in the sport of hockey. And as we'll find out, she didn't become a professional hockey player following initially in her dad's footsteps, but she comes from a very athletic family. So she decided to follow mom. Exactly. Her mother is a former professional figure skater and Cassandra started figure skating, didn't join the sport of hockey until a very special moment in Canadian Olympic history. And you will hear that off the bat in this interview with Cassandra Vilgrain. Let's start with your hockey jersey or journey. So your father is a former player and mm -hmm. you were inspired by the 2002 Olympics. What brought you into the sport of hockey? Yeah, I would say essentially that. I mean, I was doing a lot of different sports. I was actually uh, heavily figure skating. My mom actually um, was a competitive figure skater as well. I like to bug my dad and tell people that I got my skating gene from her. Um, but yeah, I was at 2002 Olympics and basically I saw it and I saw these women playing and I was like, I had no idea that this was a possibility. And I went to my dad and I was like, I, I need to play. Um, so it was that year in 2002 that um, I enrolled into hockey and of course, there wasn't really a coach. It was a volunteer position. So my dad ended up taking that position and I ended up having him as a coach um, up until high school. So, yeah. What was that experience like having your dad, a really great hockey player, teach you how to play the sport? Yeah, it's it's as a kid in your your maturity level, um, sometimes it's hard to separate the fact that he's your dad. Um, obviously, an amazing experience. I, I owe all of my development and um my, my hockey skills to him throughout the years. Um, there's definitely some moments, you know, you definitely butt heads with your dad. Um, it's a normal experience. I mean, there were times where I'd come out after a game and he'd be like, you did a good job. And I'd be like, talk to me like a coach. And then he'd be like, okay, well, you could have done this, this, and this. And I'd be like, but you're my dad. So <laughs> <laughs> it was sometimes not a win-win situation for him, but I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, the experience that he has and he's given me, um, you know, the things that he's had to come overcome in his career, like the perseverance and, you know, the toughness and the humility that he, he possesses, he really instilled in me throughout my time um, under him as a coach. Not only being a role model for you, but he's been a role model for so many players in this yeah. game and in this sport. How proud does that make you as his daughter to know that he had such an impact on this sport? Yeah. I mean, I've always, I've always been proud of my dad and even the recent, couple of years, just really seeing it come to light, how much of an impact that he really had on other people. Um, it makes me incredibly proud um, to be his daughter and know that there's opportunities beyond actually playing the sport and being a role model and giving back. And I think that that's something that I've instilled into my own life as well and that I want to do. So um, he's made it very easy for me to follow his footsteps from playing hockey all the way through to post hockey. 
We're seeing in hockey right now, there is more diversity in the sport over the past 10 years. And as we're seeing people like Blake Bolden, who is now a scout in the LA Kings association or organization, and she is one of the top black women's players in the game. How have you seen the sport get more diverse, not only through your dad's career, but now with your own hockey career as well over these past 10 years? Yeah, I mean... Even when I was younger and going through hockey, um, I was usually the only minority on my team. And um, especially when you're growing up in a place that's predominantly white, you don't really realize that that's that's the fact. And I think I was lucky enough not to face a lot of discrimination throughout my time. Of course, there are those little tiny aggressions and people pointing out your skin color and things like that. But I was lucky enough not to have to face too harsh of that um, prejudice and that discrimination throughout the sport. Um, I think that the diversity has come so much, come along so much um, throughout the last 10 years. You're seeing these predominant players playing in the NHL um, that that are big names. And um, now you're seeing it more throughout um, women's hockey as well, uh, especially coming up through um, the Team Canada program. You have uh, players like Sarah Nurse who have done so much for the game um, so far, you, you might have seen her Tim Hortons Barbie and it's, it's a black girl wearing a hockey Jersey and it's a doll that girls can get. And I, I got pretty emotional when I saw it for the first time, because I I couldn't even imagine if I saw something like that when I was little, like a girl that looks like me, that is, that is playing on at such a high level. Um, so I think it's come a long way. I think there's still a long way to go. Um, and I think that's just, that starts at the grassroots of it. That starts at visibility and especially in the women's game. That's what it's all about. It's getting, gaining that visibility. Um, and when when that the game finally becomes as visible as it should be, my hope is that it's as diverse as it can be as well. Yeah, and definitely with Canada, you have, like you said, Sarah Nurse, you have such incredible hockey families that really have broken barriers, especially with showing that the game needs to be diverse. So just to expand a little bit more on what you were saying, why is it so important for that representation in growing the diversity? Yeah, I mean, again, when when you're growing up, everything that you watch, movies, television shows, books you read, things that are predominant mainstream, that's that's what starts to inspire kids. And so when you start seeing people that look like you in positions that you thought were never possible for you because you never had seen it before, then 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 your journey starts to shift. Then you see something that's that's attainable for you. Um, so that's why representation representation is so important. Um, just to instill that that sense of the ability to dream in different different aspects. So yeah, I I, I enjoy going back to the programs that I was at before and telling my story and talking about my experience and just just being who I am and being a role model and showing that if you look like me, um, if you've had my journey then you have all the opportunities in the world to go far, whether it's in hockey or uh, beyond those kind of opportunities. Very inspiring. I'm glad you've had those opportunities. For you now, you you know, you know played in the U.S. in Hockey East and college hockey, and then you played um, over in Canada for some hockey as well, and then you went overseas to play internationally as well. So what is your hockey journey now? How is the sport still involved in your life? Yeah, so um, I finished – up hockey in 2019 after playing in Sweden for a year. Um, so I really, 
as, as a female hockey player, when you're, when you're done, you kind of have to try and figure out like, okay, where do I fit in? And, um, I was trying to figure out, you know, what kind of job I want to pursue, um, and things like that. But I, I tried to get back into hockey right away. We have a hockey Alberta program here. So, um, I like to give back to that and coach and I, I appear on some panels. So, um, this year, COVID kind of inhibiting, but I, I really want to get back into coaching um, in the female game and giving back um, because, of course, representation is, is important. And I feel like it's really important to get women back into the sport and giving back to female hockey. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> that's awesome. Thinking back, going all the way back to when your dad was still playing, <laughs> what do you remember about your dad being a hockey player? <laughs> That was all I knew. I, I was I was born in 95. So that was right in the era of when my dad was in Europe. And we got to live there for about five years. And um, I, I remember bits and pieces. I remember the smell of the locker room because we got to go in afterwards and it was obviously awful. And um, I remember being in the rinks and things like that. Um, but what I remember most is the stories my dad would tell. And I think that's that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from his career. Cause although I don't really remember actually seeing him play, of course I've, I've, I've rolled the tape and I've seen some highlights for sure. I, uh, it's the stories that he's told of his career, the good and the bad, and he's a great storyteller and he's a funny guy. And um, it seems like every team he was on, he was just the go-to guy. And um, it's just been great hearing those stories growing up. So what I remember most from my dad's career, hopefully you don't take the part about me just remembering the smell of the hockey equipment, but others, my dad was um, a great hockey player and stayed a great guy through his whole entire career. So there are many ways that someone finds their path in life, Amanda and, and Catherine. And I, I think Cassandra was a good example of that. She was on one track and then lo and behold, a seminal moment in her life, watching an Olympic gold medal being won by her fellow countrywoman. I remember yeah. it, you're right. Like as a fellow countrywoman of hers, I do distinctly remember that moment. Um, you know, sometimes the women don't get enough praise for what they do. And, you know, these are women who have regular jobs and, you know, families that they take care of and, and all that. And this is their passion that's leading them, but it's like a full-time job on the, on its own. Um, so when you see that, especially in the Olympic games, I mean, it, it's just incredible. And I know Catherine, you can speak to that as well too. Yeah. And it was only the second time the sport was played in the Olympics. And yeah. I think that's often forgotten, you know, 1998 in Nagano was the first time that women's hockey was in the Olympics. So it's truly incredible to see that after just two Olympic games, the sport was already growing so much because of the success yeah. of these women. And you're right, Amanda, it's a full-time job without a lot of the credit of it being a full-time job. So as we hope the game continues to grow and it is growing very rapidly in the women's game, we'll see how many more can be sparked by it. And I will say one thing about the growing of the women's game is that you know, one of the best ways to really see that is not only the leagues, but when you do have those Olympic competitions, the games are tighter there. You know, it's not just the U.S. and Canada. There are other countries who are really closing that gap. Yeah. Finland is a big country yes. that has really grown with the women's game. Sweden. I mean, Cassandra played in Sweden, so she knows a lot about it growing there. But like you said, it's incredible to see. It's not just two countries being the powerhouses anymore. Yeah. It really is growing and we'll see how it continues to grow in this next winter Olympic games, which we should all be very excited about, especially with the return of NHLers. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, and hopefully that all gets ironed out and we'll be able to see it. But another generation will be watching and aspiring to what they see both on the men's and women's level. And it is great for the game and it is great for all of us. Uh, not quite the same as the Miracle on ISIS because it was a different time, the Cold War and so on and so forth. And the U.S. was such an underdog. But an entire generation of American male players came out of that inspired by the performances. And we know there are women who are inspired by what the U.S. has done very successfully on the international stage and certainly Canada as well. So, hey, let's get more involved, right? We've got, you we've got a lot Canada of- You in there too, as the, <laughs> as the lone Canadian on the podcast. We've got, we've got a lot of room in our room under our umbrella. So let's, uh, let's bring it on. Let's keep exploring ways to make this game better and involve more people. So on that note, let's wrap things up. Catherine, thanks very much for your time. Wonderful interview with Cassandra. Amanda, good to see you as always. And Sammy being Sammy, we don't know what the future holds for him, but we know it's going to be exciting. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us on this edition of Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. I'm Matt Laughlin for our entire crew. Thanks for listening. Appreciate your company. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.